from National Securities Corporation, it's the Agribusiness Advisor Podcast, where we discuss insights and trends from an investment banking perspective with the investors, corporate leaders, and other stakeholders participating in the industries that grow, process, and market the food that we consume. I'm Ivan Saval, and I oversee the Agribusiness and Food Coverage Group, providing capital markets and financial advisory. All podcast episodes are for informational purposes only and are not to be construed as a solicitation of securities. Any thoughts expressed by myself and or our guests are solely our own and are not those of National Securities Corporation. In this episode, we will introduce our approach to mergers and acquisitions and discuss the observations and developments in the M&A product with my colleague who oversees the advisory practice, Sagiv Shiv. Thank you, Ivan. I'm very pleased to be here uh, and talk to everyone about my favorite topic, which is mergers and acquisitions and advisory. I, um, I come to this with um, uh, a background that covers, um, spans both um, the corporate world as well as investment banking. Uh, prior to um, uh, moving into investment banking, I had spent about 12 years as CFO of several organizations, um, the last of which was uh, quite large, a manufacturing business, uh, multinational with uh, about 6,000 employees. And uh, that um, experience has given me a very good insight uh, into the corporate view of investment banking. And I hope to bring that into um, uh, our transactional work that we do for our clients. Now, Sagiv, you're the head of the advisory group for National Securities. Can you discuss what that means to you and and how you oversee the effort for National versus how other similar efforts might be managed elsewhere? Sure. So the first thing we start with is the client relationship that is of paramount importance to us. And so our approach is to bring the capabilities of advisory to the uh, coverage banker and uh, to make uh, our resources available to our clients rather than shift the deal over to the advisory team. Uh, So unlike other firms, we don't move the assignment from the coverage team to the advisory team. We leave the relationship bankers in charge and we bring the machine of investment banking um, to to the deal. And we hope to make, um, uh, to, to make that transparent to the client. So the idea is to maintain the relationship that brought us the client while assuring the client execution excellence. And what about your style do you feel separates National from its competition given this model of maintaining the, the relationship with the coverage banker and having a partnership with product, the M&A product? What about your style do you think separates uh, uh, national securities from some of our our peer group? Well, I don't want to talk about uh, our peers. Uh, Each firm has its own approach. Uh, As I said, what's uh, very important to me is to make the client feel that the banker that they're most comfortable dealing with is the banker overseeing their transaction and that banker can pull in the resources he or she needs in order to uh, assure execution excellence. And so our, uh, the idea here is uh, to make available to the banker and the client all of the resources of national while uh, giving the client the assurance that they're dealing with the people that they're most comfortable with. 
And, and this style and this approach, uh, can you just perhaps share with us a client experience where this was employed and, and, and perhaps one that you're most proud of and, and what lessons were learned and, and potentially carried forward? So I, I entered investment banking because I felt that financial services actually had a critical role to play in improving ordinary people's lives. And I know that might sound a little naive in today's world, but that really is uh, the continuing motivation for me as, as I go about um, doing my job. And the transactions that I'm most proud of are those that launched businesses, protected or expanded employment, recovered companies in distress, and created returns for investors, and uh, the biggest of whom are retirement and pension plans. So the idea really is that while I'm not a socialist, I feel that we do have um, we we do have something to contribute to that general well-being and to the promotion of living standards and and benefits to um, to all participants in the economy. You know, mergers and acquisitions today it, it seems to be much different than in decades past, and, and I'm, I'm wondering if you may feel that way or or perhaps this is my observation. But you know, for example. There appear to be more in-house business development teams as opposed to having an outsourced effort in hiring a financial advisor. What do you see as some of the fundamental differences with how corporates approach mergers and acquisitions? Well, you're absolutely right in that M&A today is, is vastly different than what it was even 10 years ago. Um, and, and this is in reaction to a changed business environment. Uh, for almost 10 years now, we've had little or no growth in the economy. And when uh, companies cannot grow, because they certainly can't outgrow the economy forever, um, they approach M&A um, differently. So M&A has shifted from a tool to enter new markets, provide new products uh, and such, to really a tool to uh, acquire market share, protect margins, and um, consolidate. And, and that requires a different approach and, and a different um, uh, mindset. Um, this is also why so many uh, deals are now being challenged by regulators because with increasing consolidation comes um, issues regarding competition and um, barriers to entry, uh, which uh, of course uh, the regulators are concerned with. As to um, in-house teams, um, I, yes, I think there are more, more in-house teams today, and again, that's a function of consolidation and just the greater concentration and, and bigger size of, of the players. And I see in-house teams as really as a welcome addition, as partners, collaborators, and just a conduit to management that keeps us, the external advisors, informed and focused. External advisors are really good at bringing resources and cross-sectoral views, um, while in-house teams uh, mitigate some of the adverse incentives in our business, um, um, much like what corporates have done on legal services. So the in-house team really oversee the, the outside uh, advisors um, on each of these projects. Uh, I, I'd like to add that a big part of executing successful transactions is deciding what not to do, um, who not to pursue, where we should not invest resources. Uh, otherwise, this could be an exercise in, in boiling the ocean. So the elimination of processes helped greatly by the in-house team's greater familiarity with their um, organization and um, 
and the management and strategy. You know, when I when I look at where we are today versus where we were eight years ago in 2008 at the onset of the Great Recession, and, and it was pretty bleak back then in terms of, of markets being open or markets being closed, you know, we seem to have recovered if you, if you re measure recovery by uh, return on, on uh, investment in an in equity index. You know, what factors do you feel have more influence on investor behavior? And, and, and what do you feel is sort of behind the, the terminology of markets are open or markets are closed and, and why? Well, that's, that's a very profound question because the nature of investors um, has changed dramatically over the past decade. Um, we've gone from, uh, from more of a retail-oriented uh, investor base to certainly more concentrated and more institutionalized. And, and whether markets are open or closed depends on really on which markets. Are we talking about domestic or international, retail, institutional, debt or equity? Uh, investment banking is really more an art than a science, and a good bank and a good banker will have market insight that uh, would guide the issuer to the most appropriate audience. And so uh, I think this is as much um, um, a, a, um, a, a much of, of the banker's own expertise and the bank's uh, outreach to investors and the quality of the information that comes back to the issuer as anything else to assure success in this business. It feels as if the last several years have been a bit challenging for mergers and acquisitions as, me as measured by deal volume except for 2015 which was an extremely strong year. Where do you see where we are in the cycle now in 2016? Well, part of this goes back to your prior questions. Um, markets uh, do open and close, and, and um, depending on what happens in the equity markets and in the debt markets, um, there is some overflow into the M&A market. So first, with respect to equity markets, well, the indices have rebounded very strongly. The number of IPOs has really declined dramatically, so it is very, very difficult um, to um, get an IPO launch these days. And, and so that avenue has really been close to any but the largest um, um, issuers. The debt markets, um, they, um, they fluctuate. So uh, for the um, second, third tier issuers, um, there are opportunities, but these come and go. Uh, with, the, with respect to what happens uh, within M&A, there are really two worlds of M&A, uh, and the boundary between them runs at about the $500 million deal size. Uh, deals below that level are done consistently, rain or shine, you know, good times and bad, uh, with, of course, the necessary adjustment to terms and valuation, but they're very, very consistent. The over $500 million deal category is much more volatile and sensitive to the other markets, uh, the equity and the debt markets, to regulatory pressure and other exogenous conditions. And since the vast majority of deals happen at the sub $500 million category, anyone considering a transaction uh, should certainly think about the strategic uh, benefits of, of a deal and, and worry less about the headlines. In closing, Sagiv, I'm curious, you know, certainly there are questions that you thought I might have asked, uh, but did not. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, do you feel there is a topic 
that we should discuss before our wrapping up? Well, there are three things that we like, like to talk to clients about, and, and we feel that sometimes they're, they're not really properly addressed. Um, the first is, is deal terms and transaction structure. There's a lot of um, uh, attention being paid to valuation and to the numerical elements of the deal. Uh, but uh, sometimes the terms uh, and the words are actually more important than the numbers. And deal terms evolve over time in response to transactional environment and other uh, external pressures. So understanding what potential uh, terms uh, an, um, a transaction might encounter is very, very important. So that's point number one. It actually leads to point number two, which is preparation. Uh, no one has ever over-prepared for a deal. Um, and, and a lot of people don't really appreciate um, the pressure, distraction, the effort, uh, the time requirement uh, of a transaction. These really cannot be exaggerated. Uh, and we have seen too many cases of people, uh, of companies not uh, adequately prepared when they embark on a deal. So preparation is, is a huge part of a successful transaction. And uh, with, with uh, preparation in mind, I would also uh, make the comment that uh, any company should always be prepared for a transaction. Some of these obviously can be initiated by the company itself, but in other situations, there might be opportunities that the company did not consider, where there's an inbound inquiry, uh, whether it's from a buyer or an investor. And so in today's universe, with the globalization and information being so free and available, every company should always be prepared for a deal. So uh, get your team together, get your data room set up, get your documentation updated. All of these things um, should, uh, should be um, top of mind for any management team and, um, and to avoid under preparation. And um, just lastly, um, the, 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 what happens on the day after. So, uh, the months leading up to a deal, uh, with all of the work, distraction, and, and uh, uh, time investment that I mentioned, really are the easiest part of the transaction. The hard part is the integration. And here, too, we, we many times see too little thought and preparation uh, as people go into transactions. Uh, synergies are very hard to achieve. In most cases, companies fail to achieve the synergies they planned for. And so having contingency plans, stress testing the plan, um, uh, thinking about is this transaction um, uh, beneficial even without the plan synergies, and uh, testing uh, all of these returns and what they might do for shareholders really, I think, is something that people should pay more attention to. Thank you very much, Sagi, for your insight. I'm Ivan Saval signing out. Thank you.